Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So we're busy with the letter to the church of uh, Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. And it's been an awesome time going through this. And we're going to jump into uh, finishing off with chapter 2. We finished that uh, one of the previous weeks. And then we're going to go into chapter 3. But just a quick recap from the last time we were together in chapter 2. At the end of chapter 2, it was this awesome picture where Jesus came to. And then we're going to build on that and then go into chapter 3. Where Jesus came to deal with this middle world of separation between Jews and Gentiles. Basically, Jews and the rest of the world. How Jesus came to deal with that separation. Everything that separated the Jewish nation, uh, the Hebrews and the rest of the world, and then also between man as a whole and God. How Jesus came to deal with that. And why did Jesus come to deal with that? We have to ask this question. Sometimes you kind of think, like, oh, that's a silly question. You don't get such a thing as a silly question. It's good to ask questions about the word as we're going through the word. Ask questions, even though they might seem silly, by asking a question, it might just sink in a little bit deeper, the truth that the word is trying to portray or reveal to us. Jesus came to deal with something because something prevented us from experiencing God, experiencing communion with one another. There were various things that are separating, and even today as well, there's various things that's separating us from experiencing God in His fullness. Religion is one of the big things, where I, I need to do things in order to be pleasing to God. I need to go to church, and then God will love me. I need to read my Bible, then God will love me. No, God loves you. God loves you because He is love. That's His nature. That's His character. And God, as Nadine shared, Hebrews 13 verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same. His love for you stays the same. It's unchanging. These truths, these things that we're getting into, just sharing quickly for, uh, as an as a, introduction, these things are vastly important to establish in our hearts because we're living in a world where things are changing. People fluctuate. One day... Your wife is very happy, and the next day she's not so happy. Um, vice versa, one day the husband is very happy, and he's like, oh, like, bring you flowers, and then the next day, like, where's the flowers? <laughs> now, those are maybe, like, silly examples, but the point is this, that we're all changing, and we're going through different things, and we, 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 we change how we react to different things and operate with one another, but praise God, He is the same. But He dealt with a problem, a separation, but Jesus also came and made it possible for the whole world to receive his spirit and share a union, share a, a unity that is, that is a miracle. There's a lot of things that we can disagree upon in this room, but there's one thing that we can agree upon, the spirit of God living in us. And that unity, there's strength in that unity, and God has asked us to be strengthened in unity. So let's uh, finish off with chapter 2, and then we're going to go into uh, chapter 3. Ephesians 2, verse 20 to 22. It says, Together we are His house, built on the foundation 
of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So when you see the word Gentile, just think every other group of people who weren't Jews. Okay, so that's basically, in, in essence, what, what Gentiles is. Uh, then you get believing Gentiles who became Christians, and then you unbelieving people who don't believe in Jesus Christ who aren't Jews either. Now, just a quick, uh, just a, a quick um, emphasis that I want to put here. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Yes, the apostles, the prophets, and, and teachers within the body of Christ are there to minister to you. But Christ, Jesus, is always the foundation. Jesus gets the praise. Jesus gets the honor. Jesus gets the glory. Don't come and give me glory. The things that I get to see and the things that I get to minister to the body of Christ, the, the, the testimonies that I get to share, it's not me. It's not by, like Paul says, he, he didn't come with fancy speeches and all of these things. He came in demonstration of the power of God, not the power of Paul. Not the power of Etienne, not the power of, of Shane, of Andrew Ormack, of whoever you're looking up to in the body of Christ. No, we need to point people to Jesus. He is the cornerstone. And each one of us, as sons of Him, have got the Spirit of God inside of us. And we are joined together in Him, as He says here, and through that joining, we are His holy temple. You need to see yourself as holy. We are God's dwelling. That's a beautiful promise that we get to kind of uh, think. Uh, you might get scared about that picture now that God is always living with you and in you and He's never going to leave you, especially when you're doing that, that, that stupid thing that you shouldn't be doing. Like God is there with you. And it's a scary thought. <laughs> but it's awesome that He isn't offended at your, 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 your stupidity. He isn't offended at the sin that you're choosing to live in when you know you shouldn't be living in it. Yes, it's maybe not, uh, uh, he doesn't desire for you to be in that place, but he's not going to leave and I'll kind of jump ship because of what you are doing. He's going to minister love to you. He's going to minister identity to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John chapter, John chapter 8. His ministry is, no, John chapter 16, verse 8. His ministry is convicting us of our righteousness. He's confirming our righteousness to us. In Romans 8, His ministry is to minister our sonship to us. We get to call God Abba Father. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry. He's reminding us of that on a continual basis, 24-7. So whenever you don't feel like a son, whenever you don't feel like God is your Father, allow the Holy Spirit to remind you. We need to grow in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, talks about this this this. We need to take every thought captive and bring it unto obedience to Christ. So when thoughts are coming to us, when circumstances are happening to us that is contradicting the word of God, that is contradicting the nature of God and what God says about us, we need to, not Etienne, because I'm not with you 24-7, right? No one can be with you. Not even your spouse can be with you 24-7. But guess what? God's spirit is with you 24-7. You need to allow Him to minister truth to you so that you can take the thoughts captive 
you shouldn't be thinking about so that you can take the circumstances captive that shouldn't be like they are and bring them unto the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? You exalting and magnifying the name of Jesus above your circumstances. You exalting what Jesus says about you above what you feel about yourself, above what people have said about you. These things that I'm ministering to you guys and, and I'm confident in these things, I didn't just wake up with confidence in Christ. The confidence that you might be uh, experiencing and seeing through me this morning, it's not, it's not, 18 is this amazing guy and he just kind of, he said yes to Jesus at the right time in his life and everything just worked out perfectly. It's like I spoke to someone recently and they're like, you know, um, children who are born in January and February, the first few months of the year, they, they, they set up, excel and this and that. And the next day I'm like, where's that in the Bible? It, it's cool. It's cool. I, I understand science and biology, but science and biology created it. God created it. So the point that I'm trying to drive across this morning, we need to grow in our ability and, and, and grow in our faith and our trust in God. And that only comes through the word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, continual hearing and the gospel of the word specifically. Because the whole Bible isn't necessarily the gospel message word for word, but the gospel is in the Bible. Throughout the Old Testament, the, 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 there were different types and shadows and things pointing to Jesus, pointing to the coming Messiah, pointing to what the gospel is about. And so we need to grow in our understanding of the word of God, the gospel of Christ specifically, because that builds our faith. Galatians 5 also says that faith works by love. Faith operates by love. Not the love you've got for your dog, not the love that you've got for coffee, not the love that you've got for food, the love of Christ. The love of God. The love of God that was manifested through Jesus Christ. Man, I love this passage of scripture. And uh, whenever I read it out or I, I, I minister on it, which I'm not going to do this morning. Luke chapter 7, at the end of the chapter, there's this beautiful picture where um, the woman of the town, she was a prostitute, Mary, uh, a specific Mary. And she comes and uh, she comes into the setting where Jesus was sitting with a bunch of religious guys. And she starts pouring out her tears onto Jesus' feet, washing it with her tears, drying it with her hair, then takes out a fragrant oil and just anoints Jesus with it. And the religious gets highly offended at this because Jesus is allowing a prostitute woman to minister to him. And then Jesus uh, explains this parable to them. He's like, which debtor is going to love a banker most? If you have two debtors, one owes 50 million rand and the other one owes a hundred rand, and the debt gets written off. Who's going to love the banker the most? Obviously, the guy who got written off 50 million rands of debt. And then Jesus says, they who have been forgiven much will love much. Guess what you need to do if you want to love much? Guess what you need to do if you want to see the love of God poured out through your life? Get to know how much God has loved you, how much God has done for you. Stop working religiously, trying to be the best Christian in the world, trying to change your country, your nation. Get to know the love of Christ, and by default, the power of God, the love of Christ will be manifest in and through your life. You won't be able to contain it. So if there's a disconnect, if there's a things in your life that is sitting amiss, and you're not seeing life flow, and you're not seeing the power flow, 
get back to the drawing board. Because it starts with love. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. If he isn't the chief cornerstone, then we're wasting our time with what we are doing. Going into Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. When I think of all of this, everything that we've already looked at now, chapter 1, chapter 2, now Paul is saying like, when I think of all of this, especially chapter 2, now the ending, where Jesus came to deal with this middle wall of separation, how how we've been joined together into one body. When I think of all of this, when I think of Jesus being the chief cornerstone, when I think of uh, uh, our joining, our unity together, not Jew, nor Greek, not Gentile, not, not, not bond, nor free. When I think of all of these things, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly, briefly wrote earlier, God Himself re- revealed His mysterious plan to me. As you read, what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by His Spirit has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. Now, a few things that I want to just draw out of these, these five verses. First, uh, verse 1. A prisoner of Christ for the benefit of you Gentiles. A prisoner of Christ for the benefit of Man, Christianity has become very self-centered in a general sense. Christianity is like, man, your times of prayer is all about everything that you trust in God for. That promotion, that nice car, that nice house, that expensive dog. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word of knowledge for someone. It's, it's fine if you want an expensive dog. Like it's, it's cool. Dogs are awesome. They're amazing gift. Um, but Christianity... We looked at this a few weeks ago where we looked at some of Paul's prayers throughout the word. And as he says here, for the benefit of you, there's one thing that is eternal. An expensive dog isn't eternal in the sense of how people are eternal and how people are uh, having to make decisions that impact their eternity. Now, whether dogs are going to be in heaven or not, that's not the, the, the topic of discussion this morning. <laughs> but I know, what I do know is, people are going to either be set up with God for all of eternity or separated from the love of Christ for all of eternity. That I do know. So I talk on things, on topics that I do know. Shane ministered on this last week and it was powerful. As believers, we've been commissioned to preach a specific message. To talk about a specific gospel. Not to talk about a whole bunch of crazy that a lot of believers are talking about in the world currently. For the benefit of you. Let's, let's, let's be challenged by this question, how much of my life is about myself and how much of my life is about others? Now, this could be a heavy and you could be taking this message the wrong way and don't take it the wrong way. The Spirit of God inside of you is your empowering to love other people as you love yourself. The Spirit of God, Jesus inside of you, your nature is to love other people. You just need to get to know your nature, your identity. So it's not by trying to be loving. It's realizing how loving you are that you'll be loving. Realizing who the Spirit of God inside of you is. And so Paul is ministering from this place. And this whole series of Ephesians is about chapter 1, 2, and 3. And we're going to get into some more uh, weighty things. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 is this whole mindset and understanding of the Spirit of God in me. The Spirit of God in us. And then because of that, 
There's a through us. There's a manifestation. But we need to understand and get rooted and established in our identities as sons of God. And so then Paul goes on to explain to, to the church here, and he's, he's expressing to him, hey guys, this, this message that I've received, I've received a special responsibility. God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. Now, if you understand, and if you look at Paul's life and all of his other letters, Paul isn't here boasting about himself. We need to interpret the word of God in its entirety. We can't just kind of go and look at this passage and like sum up Paul's life and his attitude and his personality through five verses because it seems like he could be boasting about himself. But what is he writing about? Writing about the revelation that he received. He's not writing and saying, like, hey guys, I'm, I'm the top dog of the apostles. I've, he actually goes on to write about he's the least of the apostles. So we need to understand his intention here isn't to magnify him himself. His intention is to magnify the mystery that's been revealed. Galatians 3 verse 14. So he's talking about this, this mystery being revealed. In Galatians 3 14, he talks about this. He says, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Say same blessing. Say promise to Abraham. Good stuff. So, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. This is the promise that God made to Abraham. This is the blessing that we as believers get to enjoy. Now, maybe you are waiting for some other cool blessings as well. Like a, I said, like a nice house or a nice car and all of those things. And that, that's great. But, but those things, there's something wrong with, with our, our, <clears throat> excuse me, our list of priorities and what we value. When at the top of our prayer list, at the top of all of our energy, all of our focus is going into things that aren't eternal. Take the challenge or leave the challenge. If you take the challenge, I guarantee you one thing. You live a more fulfilled life. You live a more joyful life. A life of peace. A life of satisfaction. If you don't take the challenge, you might get all of those nice things. But you know how many rich people in this world with nice things that are living unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and broken lives? Millions. Because they haven't come to know the love of Christ for themselves and for the rest of the world. Take it or leave it. Good stuff. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 67 says, and this is God's plan. So now he's saying, okay, cool. This is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally. Say equally. In the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Again, they belong to uh, the, the, the body of Christ Jesus, because we've got the Spirit of God living inside of us. That's the promise that was made to Abraham. Verse 7, by God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. It's very important here. I think we're going to look at it a little bit later as well. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both and Jew needs to believe the gospel. Jews need to believe the gospel of Christ in order to share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. It's clear. It's throughout the word in Romans 10 as well. How do people come to receive? How do people uh, receive Christ? How do people uh, uh, get saved? It's by mouth confession and heart belief. Every Jew on the face of the earth needs to have a heart, uh, a heart belief and a mouth confession. Not that they are a Jew, 
that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ came to die and he was raised from the dead, and that his spirit is living in us. It's very clear throughout the word. Okay, but then Paul goes on and he's further on explain, explaining this mystery. Colossians 1 verse 27, um, one of Paul's other letters, he says, To them God chose to make known, known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And these five verses, Paul is addressing a whole bunch of things that are, that are awesome. Paul is addressing the family of God. We are his family. We are family. He's, he's, he's painting this picture of family that we get to experience with one another. Like this, this morning bef uh, before we get, got into the word, we're inviting family to come, come forward and to, to, to share what God is putting on their hearts. Because it's not a one-man show. God never intended it to be a one-man show. And as a church, we're growing into, into this picture and this understanding of God wants to do it through all of us. And we want to create an environment of freedom where every believer, doesn't matter how young, how old, every believer's got the same spirit of God inside of them. Which means that that believer, as a child of God, can hear the voice of God. Imagine that, that believers get to hear the voice of God. I shared this word last week. When Chris was born, my, our son, he wasn't born and then he couldn't, he, he grew in his hearing. No, he had hearing from the get-go. As children of God, you are born and you can hear the voice of God. Now you get to grow in your identity as a child of God and get to grow in how to effectively maybe communicate what God is sharing with you, discerning between your flesh and the spirit. But the only way to really learn is by stepping out, by practice. So we want to practice in this environment because it's a safe environment. We want to practice here with one another. We want to practice at life group. Let's practice among one another, minister to one another, trust God more than we kind of uh, trust, our, trust God more and magnify more the, the good that could come out of me stepping out than what the, the, the fear is telling you and what the enemy is trying to convince you of. And as we become confident in these safe settings, we get to go out into the world because praise God that we don't just get to minister the power of God and the gifts here in the holy idol. We want to go out into the world and be a blessing to the world, to our colleagues, being led by the Spirit wherever we're going. Because when we leave this place, we're not leaving the Spirit of God behind. We're taking Him with us. But we need to switch on to that reality because if we don't switch on to that reality, we just kind of, kind of go passively through Monday to Saturday. Sunday is like amazing. It's a high. Like it's a, you, you see the gifts of God flowing and like I get blessed and I get a goosebump and then I get a word and I receive a word and it's amazing. And then... Monday, Monday blues. If that's your life, then just realize you can change it. You're the person with the power and authority to change your expectation, to change what you are experiencing and seeing and receiving from God. But then Paul, very, very importantly, he finishes off here, verse 7. He says, the privilege of serving Him by what? If you want to serve God, oftentimes we kind of be like, I want to serve God. I want to, I want to really lay down my life for God. And then we have the specific mindset of, okay, cool, I need to now go out and feed the hungry. I'm just going to use a few examples. Don't get offended with my examples. Um, they're not, um, we've, got, we've got these different ideas of how we're going to serve God. But over and over and over again throughout the Word, 
And there's a time and place for that, taking care of the orphans and the widows. There's times and place for that, ministering to the needs of, of the believers. We looked at that, uh, the, the scripture from Timothy. But ultimately, ultimately, there's a specific way that we get to serve God. And it's by spreading this good news. The privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. John 5 verse 39, Jesus emphasizes here what, what the word is about. And he says, you are busy analyzing the scriptures. That is the scriptures, Genesis to Malachi. You're busy analyzing the scriptures. He's talking to a group of Jewish people who knew the scriptures. And he's saying, you're analyzing the scriptures frantically, pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. Everything you read points to me. Life and everything that is found in the word of God has got a link to Jesus. From the beginning of time to the end of time, it's all about Jesus. It's all about his love for us. It's all about his redemptive plan for the world. Luke 24 verse 45 to 47. Then he opened their understanding. Again, Jesus, he's opening up their understanding so that they might understand the scriptures, which implied they didn't understand the scriptures, which implied that they thought the scriptures was for something specific. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking the Christian life is a specific life. A life where, I don't want to use examples because I don't want to offend you guys. So let's move on. I trust that the Holy Spirit will uh, give you examples in your heart as I'm sharing. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written and thus it behoved Christ. This is what needed to take place. To suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And this is the message. This is the message of the Bible. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all the nations, Jews and the non-Jews, all of the nations. Every believer or every person on the face of the earth needs to hear this message. Because if they don't hear this message, they can't receive this message. They can't receive the gift. And this is what Paul is saying, and he's finishing uh, uh, verse 7. By God's grace and mighty power, by God's enabling, this word mighty power is the same word power that is dunamis in Acts um, uh, 1 verse 8. What is the purpose of this mighty power? What is the purpose of God's grace and His mighty power? For me to serve Him by spreading this good news. Acts 1 verse 8, so that I can be a witness in all the world. A witness of what? A witness of how stylish you are with your three-piece suits. Now, culturally, we don't do three-piece suits like on a, on a Sunday basis. But there's some cultures that do do that. And I'm not saying it's wrong per se, but that's not the gospel. That is not the witnessing that the word is talking about. Witnessing, in essence, actually is not even actually referring to the spreading of the gospel or preaching of the gospel. The witnessing is witnessing of something. And generally, that's something that the word is talking about is power, a manifestation of power, power that goes beyond human understanding. You guys with me? It seems like uh, some of you are sleeping a little bit and some of you are upset with me. I'm not sure. I'm struggling to read the room this morning. <laughs> so I'm just going to go for it. A question. How many things are there that is causing the vision in the body of Christ today? How many things are there that is causing the vision in the body of Christ, these units in the body of Christ today? There are many things. And we need to come to narrow those many things and narrow it down to one thing. Not one thing that divides us or creates this unity, but one thing that we agree upon and we build on that one thing. 
Matthew 12, verse 28 says, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. We can't be divided. In this family specifically, now with, within the greater body of Christ, we, 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 I believe that God's Spirit is working in among the greater body of Christ and, 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 and ministering to us and revealing truth to us. But specifically even within this family, we need to focus on the unity that we share. Because if we don't focus on the unity that we share and we major on the things that we don't maybe agree on, we're going to be divided and we will not stand. And it's a horrible testimony to the world out there when believers are fighting among themselves and having all of these disputes about, should I get vaccinated? Should I not get vaccinated? Is this a conspiracy? Isn't this a conspiracy? Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? Should you preach the gospel? Yes, you should preach the gospel. How much of your life are you spending on preaching the gospel? How much of your life are you spending on researching conspiracy theories? How much of your time are you spending on having debates about who knows what? I know it's a strong message. I know it's relevant to this time and age. Social media is flooded with a whole bunch of junk. Let's flood the social media with things that impact people's eternity. If someone gets vaccinated and dies, but goes to heaven, their eternity didn't change. If someone gets vaccinated and they weren't a believer and they die, different story. We weren't commissioned to preach anything other than the gospel of Christ. We've been given a message to proclaim, one message, and only that one message has got the power to set the captives free. It's the message of Jesus who came to die for the sins of the world, came to set us free, have His Spirit live in us, so that we can manifest the power of God and the love of Christ. That is, our, that, is our, that is what our life should be about. Our energy and our focus needs to go into that, understanding that, understanding the love of God, loving my brothers and sisters in Christ, and being on this mission together to advance God's kingdom. 2 Peter 3 verse 9, The Lord isn't being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. How do people repent? How do people repent? Do they repent by knowing a lot about the medical field and knowing a lot about whether the vaccine is a conspiracy or a mark of the beast? How do people repent? I'm asking, I'm asking a general question. I'm throwing out some, some uh, multiple question options. How do people repent? Do they repent by going to church? Do they repent by having prayer meetings? God's heart is for everyone to repent. How do people come to repentance? We need to ask this question. Because if we ask this question and we understand how it comes, we can be partakers of ushering that in. If we know how it comes, we can know what not to focus on, which isn't enabling repentance. Romans 2 verse 4. Or despise thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. The goodness of God, specifically the gospel of God, leads thee to repentance. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Again, everyone who believes, Jew and non-Jew alike, everyone needs to believe. That is how we uh, partake of salvation. That's how we receive salvation. It's through the gospel of Christ being preached, the gospel of Christ being shared. 
That is what brings in and ushers in repentance. Ephesians 3 verse 7, we're coming to close from the Young Literal Translation says, Of which I became a minister, a ministrant, according to the gift of grace of God that was given to me, according to the working of His power. Now, another challenge for you guys this morning. I'm, I'm full of, uh, and I'm saying you guys, but it's also for me. I'm being challenged by this and needing to be reminded by this. Paul is saying, I became a ministrant of something specific, the gift of the grace of God that was given to me. And then he's saying, according to the working of his power. Again, all in all, we get, we get different, quote unquote, ministries within the body of Christ. And it's, it is awesome. Like Paul said, like the, you, you receive these revelations through the apostles and the prophets. But Christ Jesus, chief cornerstone, there's a specific ministry that if any other ministry isn't rooted and built upon that ministry, it's futile. The ministry of the gospel of Christ, it's a specific message. It's a specific message, guys. It's a specific ministry that Paul says, I've been empowered for this. Now, maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh, I'm not Paul, I'm not an apostle. It's still a specific message that we've been commissioned. 2 Corinthians 5, verse, uh, verse 18, 19, that we've been given the word of reconciliation and a ministry of reconciliation. How do people get reconciled to God? Through the message of the gospel. Every believer is an ambassador of that ministry. Very important that we get this. Okay, coming to close, Ephesians 3, 8 and 9. Unto me, who am, the le uh, or am less than the least of all the saints, is the grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ. This is awesome. The passion puts that as my passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. And this is what chapter 3 very much is, is kind of just building upon, this mystery that's been revealed, this mystery that every believer gets to enjoy, and the union that we have, the fellowship that we have, not just with God, but with one another. And through this fellowship with Christ, coming to know Him, coming to know this mystery and making it known unto the world, Paul is saying, my passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. What is your passion currently? Challenging question. I know. What are the things that you are pouring all of your energy, all of your time? What is consuming you currently? Paul is saying, my passion is to enlighten people to come to know this mystery. This mystery is, is just linked to the, the message of the, of the Bible. The promise of God's Spirit living in man, and that's only possible through the forgiveness of sins and us receiving that. This is in a, in, in, a, in a nutshell what Paul is emphasizing to this church. Why was he emphasizing it to the church? Why am I emphasizing it to you guys this morning? I'm not like kind of asking you guys to answer, but it doesn't seem like you guys are answering it in your minds. <laughs> I'm, feel, I'm feeling like you guys thinking I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I'm not just asking questions. I want you to answer it at least in your heart. Why is Paul making such a big deal of this? Because it's a big deal. If we want to see our nation change, if we want to see governments change, we need to start partaking of what we should be partaking of, become passionate of what God wants us to be passionate about. And it's people. It's people's eternities. Amen. 
we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. 